bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobil. And now, today's word. So, are you ready to invest spiritually and emotionally? Can you handle the pressure? Can you handle what comes with it? Because everything we want to do is going to cost us something. Being a pastor, well, it's going to cost you. If you become great, it's going to cost you. If you become popular, it's going to cost you. If you are not popular, it will cost you. Whatever you do is going to cost you, so make sure that you do something that will cost you something that you are happy to pay for. But if you don't and you sit down, it's also going to cost you. So are you ready to pay the price? Can you stand the tensions that come with your job? If you quit your business right now, maybe you're working for a bank and, and, and you paid a good salary and say, oh, I want to start my own business. That's good. That's your intention. You start your own business and you realize you have no reliable salary, no consistent salary, and, 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 and so many things start going wrong, wrong. You can't pay for fuel for your car. Your car maintenance allowance is gone with your old job. And all kinds of things that you used to take for granted are no longer there. It puts pressure on you. Maybe your children's education, school fees you can't pay. And yet when you were running, working for somebody, you could pay fees. Now you're running your own business. You can't pay fees. You can't fool your car. And, and, and you're working extra hard and getting little as a result of it. That is the price you pay. Are you ready for it? If you're not ready, then pick up the shoe, admire it, and put it back on the shelf. If you're not ready, say, well, I wish I would start my business, but it's going to cost me so much so I will be employed by somebody. And it's not a sin and it's not a failure. It's a it's reality check. Because not everybody can pay the price. Because for some people to pay some price to achieve some results is going to cost them so much they may not even survive to reap the benefit of what they are sacrificing for. So are you ready for it? Are you ready to pay the price? The third important thing is that you have to explore your opportunities. Explore your opportunities. Number one, establish your intentions. Number two, evaluate the cost. Number three, explore your opportunities. Explore means that you're going to make effort to look a bit closer. You're going to make effort to discover. You're going to make effort to, to consider things beyond the way they appear. Everybody who explores goes the second mile. So how do you explore your opportunities? First, you have to see beyond the difficulties before you. See beyond the difficulties before you. Do not allow the challenges to obscure your vision. What you see as a difficulty may actually be an opportunity waiting to be taken advantage of. See beyond the difficulties before you. I told you to count the cost. But the fact that there is a price to it doesn't mean you cannot pay it. It simply tells you there's a price. And maybe if you look at it a bit closely, you find you can actually pull the resources to get it done. So look at the opportunities around you. Look at the difficulties. A lot of times, opportunity 
is disguised as problem. And many times, the thing that is a problem is actually an opportunity. There is an old story that uh, salesmen uh, and women talk about, about a gentleman who worked for a shoe company and uh, went to, he was sent to a new area for the shoe company to have an extension of his business to sell shoes in, in, in that new area. It's a village. He goes to the village and nobody has a shoe. Nobody wears a shoe and he's come to sell shoes and nobody has shoes. So he goes out there, he looks at the problem, he says, nobody even has a shoe. They don't know what a shoe is, how can I sell them a shoe? So he sends a telex or telegram back to the headquarters and says, hopeless, there's no opportunity. The people don't even have shoes. They don't know what a shoe is. So the headquarters says, come back home to the headquarters. They record him. They sent a second worker. A second salesman, he goes out there and he sees the same problem. Nobody has shoes and he sends a telegram. He says, I need tons of shoes because nobody has shoes and I can sell them all the shoes they need. It depends on how you see the problem. How do you see scarcity? Does scarcity mean something can be done about a problem or it means that there is no hope for the problem? Look at the problems. Look at them a bit closely. Don't let the current difficulty discourage you because every great endeavor comes with difficulty. Every great endeavor. You want to start a church, it's going to come with difficulty. Some people say, well, the easiest thing you have to do in Ghana is start a church. You try it. Try it till you start preaching one sermon and your mouth is dry and, and there is no idea coming and people are looking at your face waiting for the next point. And you don't know where the next point is coming from. Try it. When you start a church, you're meeting in a classroom and you are ejected from the classroom. I remember when we started our church, we were meeting in a school. I don't want to mention the name of the school to embarrass the headmaster. But, um, you know, sometimes you have a great idea, but nobody thinks your idea is great. So I thought I had a great church. He thought I was a nuisance. So we used to meet in this classroom and... Uh, one Sunday after church, I went home, you know, dismissed the church, we went home. And I think it was on Monday, I had a message. The headmaster of the school said, go and call that reverend. So I came, <laughs> I, came and I, I went to sit, sit in, on his veranda for a long time. He wasn't minding me. Just, I don't know what he was doing, whether he was eating or whatever. But I sat there for a long time on his veranda. Then... He came, the front, when he came, he didn't even sit down. He says, you and your church, you are getting out of here. I don't want to see you again. I said, sir, what have we done? He says, I don't want to see, I don't want church. I don't. I said, it's Monday, Sunday. I told the people we are meeting again. And this Sunday, uh, Monday, how can I tell the people church has been sacked? <laughs> and I, I had no idea. Where is the next meeting place? And so I went to see an older man that I thought that the headmaster of the school would respect. And I said, sir, please, you know, in Ghana, you have to get an elder to front you. So I said, come, lead, come and lead me to go and beg this headmaster. So he gives us at least one week. So I make the announcement that the, we have been sacked. So I took the, the older man, same treatment. The older man went, the headmaster says, Sir, I respect you, you are older, but I don't want to see these people here again. 
They're making too much noise. They are shouting some language. I don't know what it is. They are clapping their hands and they are disturbing my school. <laughs> I don't know whether it was a spiritual warfare or just a school discipline. But So my plan B didn't work. So it's Thursday. Sunday is coming. Where do we go? So I started running helter-skelter. You know, when you end up running through Accra, looking for a meeting place. And on Saturday, we got a garage. Somebody's garage with no chair, no nothing, with cement, uh, engine blocks and grease on the floor. That was all we got. So I went to stand at the classroom there, and when people would come, I said, we are not meeting here. We are meeting somewhere else. We are not meeting here. We're meeting some. We lost quite a few of the people. We went to meet in that garage. And I preached my heart out. Standing, no sitting. And then the garage people said, we don't want you here. We just met one Sunday. One Sunday. The principal of the place, the head of the place said, uh, I, did, I wasn't the one who gave it, and he didn't give it the permission. One of the workers who was a member of our church uh, passed <laughs> passed the corner and put us there and, and the head of the place got to know and we were sacked again and I said where are we going to go within two weeks we are, we are moving twice but by Thursday we got a small classroom and moved the church there because everything that God tells you to do even if Jehovah himself calls you there will be a headmaster somewhere who doesn't fear Jehovah so don't think because the idea came from God, everybody will support it, everybody will give it uh, their, their support. No, there are people who will frustrate you and frustrate you so hard. Sometimes you think your idea has failed. It never grew. It was born and it's dying at birth. And by this time, the church is not even one year old and we're almost already dying. But you have to keep going on. The difficulties are not as life-threatening as you think they are. And I'm sure I'm speaking to somebody somewhere and your idea is threatening to die. You say, but I started, but God spoke to me. But what is happening? Nothing is happening. It's just growing. When you see any tree that has grown, go and inspect it. And you see by the tree, that a big wound somewhere and a big cut somewhere and a branch that was broken somewhere when it was a child some people tried to weed it away but it survived some people cut it but it survived some broke it but it survived and finally it may not be perfectly straight it's got a few crooked branches but it still survived it still survived your dream will not die the difficulties will be there. But sometimes in those difficulties, you see the hand of God. And you see God guiding you. And you see great opportunity. So, see beyond the difficulties beyond, be, before you. Take time to think and pray through your problems for solutions. Take time to think and pray through. Two things you have to do. Pray through them and think through them. When I started this church, one of the things I used to do most of the time, I used to lie down for hours thinking. 
I still do a, quite a bit of it, but not in the same volume because my time is a bit more limited now. But I used to think, and Pastor Donko would tell you, I'll be lying down for six hours. You think I'm asleep, I'm not asleep. And he knew how to tell when I was not asleep and I was thinking. Sometimes throughout the night, I'm lying down thinking, thinking, how do I do it? How do? And I get up in the morning, I drew organizational plans and writing business plan and vision strategy and mission strategy and working through and thinking through and thinking through. How do we get that to work and how do we get that to work? You don't just sit down and expect things to work. You have to pray through them. And normally when you pray through them, divine ideas will be inspired in your mind. And you can look at that problem, think it through, and find a hole through that mountain so you can go through the mountain and achieve your aim. Don't sit and hope that things will change. Pray through them. Think through them. That market that is closed, think through it. Look at alternatives. Look at various scenarios. Look at various analysis. Look at it from different perspectives. And pretty soon, you're going to see a weak point in that problem which you can exploit to your advantage. Be a thinker. Every challenge has an opportunity. Every temptation has a way of escape. And you have to look for it. In order to explore your opportunities, you have to use the advantages that God has given to you. God has given you advantage. You may not see it, but you have an advantage. You may be small and somebody may be big. That's your advantage. You can go to places they can't go. You can move faster than them. That's your advantage. You may not have money. Somebody has their money. That's your advantage. Because when people have money, they don't trust their brains again. They trust money. When you have no money, you trust ideas. You work more with ideas. You become more creative. So, yes, your competition has more money. But let that inspire you to be more creative. A better thinker. A better strategist. They may have more people. But you may have a better strategy. When God wanted to use Gideon, he took Gideon. And said, Gideon, I'm going to teach you a battle strategy of how to use 300 people to defeat a whole army. And he taught them how to do that. How to even scare and frighten an army with 300 people. He says, when you're going to go into battle, get your torches, get your pictures. And, and, and when you get out there, just 300 of you, strike your things, make a lot of noise, and start saying, the, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. And when the people started to scream that, just 300 people, the enemy thought a whole army was going to come against them, and they ran away. God taught him, you don't win with numbers, you win with strategy. And when you don't have the resources, God will give you strategy. Think, pray, analyze, meditate. He will speak to you. There is a way that God knows about your problem that you don't know. He will speak to you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. Don't just sit down and say, I've tried and tried and tried. It doesn't work. I've tried my best. It doesn't work. I don't know why, the, I don't know why it is so. As for me, every time I try, it doesn't work. There is nothing special about you. You are an ordinary human being. Don't flatter yourself. Some people say, well, as for me, it's the demon. You think the devil has a special assignment on you. Who are you? Who are you? Even people more anointed than you, the devil gives them space. 
you with your little dream. Oh, wow, the devil doesn't care much about you. It's just that you are too lazy mentally to sit and focus and think through the solutions. And you don't want to spend time praying. But you got to pray. Invest prayer. Invest thinking. Invest strategy. And write down ideas. And pretty soon, a clear plan will form in your mind which you can use to achieve your objectives. Use the advantages that God has given to you. And finally, for you to work towards your targets, you must endeavor to finish what you start. Jesus says, if you don't do that, people are going to look at you and laugh at you. I don't know about you, but I don't want people to laugh at me and say, look at him, he started and, uh, and uh, he couldn't complete it. Endeavor to finish what you start. If you start a business, take it through. You start a marriage, take it through. You start a relationship that is beneficial, work it through. Don't start things and jump off board because it's difficult, because it's hard, ah, because ah, it's painful. Yeah, everything is painful, my friends. Everything comes with a challenge. And next year, the challenge will escalate. But also with the grace of God, escalate on your life. There will be things for you to do. Some of you have got great ideas. The time is right. Opportunity is knocking on the door. You know this is the time for you to do those things. So step out and do them. Count the cost. Look at the opportunities available. Don't let the difficulties discourage you. And keep moving. And when you start, you must see the finish line. Endeavor to finish. Be a finisher, not just a starter. Don't be one of those people who, who start a thousand ideas and never finish anything. Who are excited about something but never see anything through. I would rather see one project through than to have a thousand projects exciting me but not fulfilled and accomplished. There must be something to your name. There must be something that you can say at the end of the year. I started with zero and this is how far God has brought me. You must finish something. You must finish something. So how do you do that? Stay focused and committed to the process. Stay focused and committed to the process. Everything that has a beginning has an end. Everything. The end may be the, the completion or the end may be the abandonment, but it's still the end. If you watch people running a race, they start at the beginning and they end. Some people end in the middle. They didn't finish the race, but they ended. Somebody's running a marathon. He starts and maybe after mile 21, he gets tired. And he stops. He has ended, but he hasn't finished. God doesn't want you just to end. He wants you to end at the finish. And there are those who end and complete. You must be one who completes. You don't end in the middle. You don't end somewhere, some in the middle somewhere because it got so bad. There's a story of a man who ran the marathon from one African country, Stephen Aquari, and uh, I think it was 1968 Olympics, and he ran and uh, he fell down and, and was bruised all over. 
And uh, everybody thought he should end and he should stop running. But he got up. And when he got up, he was tired, bandaged, blood was oozing out, and, but he was running. When the marathon ended, two hours after the marathon ended, they finished the ceremony, people were going out from the stadium, and here comes Stephen Aquari, limping along, limping along, limping along. And people started clapping for him. The whole stadium went ablaze. Two hours after the race, somebody is coming to finish. And he came limping and limping and limping with blood. I actually have a film clip of that. And when he finished, newspapers, uh, TV people, newsmen, journalists came to interview him. And they said, so why didn't you give up? The ceremony is ended. You are way last. And he said, my country did not send me here to start a marathon. They sent me here to finish a marathon. And I came not just to start, but to finish. I just want to encourage you. You may be late in finishing, but finish. You may be wounded and people will get ahead of you, but finish. Don't end it in the middle. End it at the finish. The vision you store at the beginning, arrive at it. You may arrive late, but arrive there. And become the person that God desired you to become. Stay focused and committed to the process. And finally, in order for you to endeavor to finish, you must rejoice in the victories that God gives to you. One of the things that you're going to learn as you go on is that God will give you little, little victories. For me as a young pastor, when we were sacked from that classroom by that headmaster, and, and we got a small garage. It was a victory for me. Somebody will see it as defeat, but it was victory. And I remember I went home and I said, thank you, God. You've made a way. I give you praise. It was a small victory. It was a temporary victory, but it was victory. It cheered my heart that God is not through with me. The next classroom we got, I said, thank you, Lord. The next member that comes, thank you, Lord. The next time somebody says, oh, pastor, your message blessed me. Thank you, Lord. One by one, God is going to give you victories. And celebrate those victories. Rejoice in those victories. Honor him for those victories. Thank him for those victories. Because those victories are the fuel that keeps you running to the end of the journey. Because if you don't have any victory along the line, you will be dried up. But God will send you little victories along the line. Somebody to pray for you. Somebody to come and see you. Sometimes one Sunday after church, somebody just comes and says, you know, last Friday, I just felt in my heart to pray for you. And you say, Lord, thank you. You haven't forgotten about me. You are reminding people to pray about me, for me. Or somebody comes and gives you a little money, a little story, a little encouragement. That's your victory. Rejoice in your victory. And if you celebrate your little victories, one of these days, you stand at the end of your vision with your two hands lifted up. And you say, I saw this thing 10 years ago. And look what the Lord has done in my life. In 2009, may you achieve your targets. May you finish this assignment that you set from January the 1st. 
May you stand at 31st December 2009 and say, when I started January, I had no wife. Look what the Lord has done. I started January, I had no child. Look what the Lord has done. I started January, I was not in school. Look what the Lord has done. I started January, I had no property. Look the land I have bought. I started January, walking on my feet. Look at the car the Lord has given to me. I started with nothing, but look how far the Lord has brought me. May he bring you to the end of your dream. And may he give you the victory that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mansah Otebill, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebill. Email otebill at centralgospel.com or call plus 233 302 688 000.